Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Many of you know uh, a number of years ago, I don't think it's been nine years ago now, can you believe it, that we sent off Scott and Stephanie Jones to South Carolina. They were formerly our associate pastors, and they started a church down in uh, Charleston, uh, a place called Somerville, and left us in Winterville behind. (laughs) (laughs) But they've they've done great, and um, a number of years ago, they instituted what they called the Wellspring School, in which they uh, taught and, and, and they struggle with different ways to teach the, the core ideas uh, of ministry and our culture. And they landed upon doing a, a, a school. And they both they met the School of Ministry up in Toronto. And, um, and so they had that in their makeup. They knew how to do schools. They helped lead the school up there. Uh, but a school, the School of Ministry is something that you go and live you know, for six months in Toronto. Or we have some folks out in the Bethel School right now. And... Uh, you know, it's in California. Not everyone can uproot and leave town for six months to a year, right? Makes it hard. So what they did is a one-night-a-week one school, and it's been phenomenal. I've, I go down there about once a year, and I've seen how it's affected the church, and uh, people will come up and say, oh, when I was in the school, I really learned that, and it really, you know, I, I, got, I understood. So on Sunday morning, we can mention things like the Father heart, or, and we can do a teaching on hearing God's voice, but when you when you have a school that has a planned out curriculum and uh, small groups and you meet on a weekly basis and you get high quality teaching, it really goes to another level. And I saw over the years that, wow, uh, the, the members of their church really have this down and, and people have, have been transformed. Every time I go down there, I hear people talk about the school because I get to teach in the school when I go down there. And it's, it's a powerful thing. <clears throat> A little over a year ago, they, they said uh, they had an idea that they were going to gonna take it mobile and uh, uh, through the use of online video uh, uh, and live interaction, um, they were going to offer the classes uh, on multiple sites. So this past year, they actually contacted me just over a year ago and said, we're going to do it, it's going to launch in March, <clears throat> and this was like the end of, it was probably the beginning of February. <laughs> it's gonna, in March, <laughs> that's like in a couple of weeks. And they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. You guys want to do one? I'm like, there's no way. Um, we can pull it together in a couple of weeks. I said, maybe next year. Um, and so they did it, and it was very successful. They had one in Oregon. They had like 30 students. They had one in Germany. I don't know how many students there. They had one in Lansing, Michigan, believe it or not. Um, Chiang Mai in London. And uh, It worked. Uh, it was very, very successful, and the, the testimonies of people that went to the school were very encouraging. And so I was thinking, okay, let's, let's aim for this. This is a great quality uh, uh, um, school, and it has a great substance, but we needed someone to help lead it. Mark is maxed out. I'm maxed out. We really, like, who can lead uh, this school here in, in Michigan and so we were praying about that, and I'd kind of made a tentative decision. We're going to pull the trigger. We're going to launch a school. And we were praying for God to send someone. And, and guess what? <laughs> Out of the shadows arose <laughs> Jimmy, and McKee, uh, Jimmy and Chloe McKee. Arise. Arise up. Out of the mist. 
And they, and they came forward. They responded to the call. And they, they're willing to step up and take on new responsibilities. <laughs> I always feel short when I'm around Jimmy. I don't know why. <laughs> I look up to you. <laughs> okay, so the timing is great. Uh, uh, again, about a, a little, uh, not quite a year uh, early last summer, uh, Jimmy and Chloe came and spoke with me, and Jimmy is graduating <coughs> in just a few months uh, from Grand Rapids Theological Seminary with a Master's of Divinity. Uh, give him a hand for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, has it been four years? It doesn't seem four years. They've been up in Grand Rapids. They were, uh, of course, Chloe grew up in the church, and uh, and then uh, Jimmy uh, came into their, her life, and they got married. And four years ago, uh, uh, Jimmy and Chloe both were involved uh, a lot at the Vine, as it was getting previous to the Vine, the Dwell Ministry, and downtown, and involved here. But then when he went to school full time, he was up in Grand Rapids. But they were like, that's done, what's next? And so they've made the ch decision. They feel God's called them to come back here to Kalamazoo. Woohoo! Yeah. <coughs> come on. They're going to come back to Kalamazoo! <laughs> and, and plug in here and, and serve in whatever, whatever capacity that we needed. And I said, well, this would be a great opportunity for you to come in, taking the skills that he's learned in seminary and leading the Wellspring School. And so this is a two-pronged announcement. So you got an insert about uh, the Wellspring School, a lot of information. But then, then uh, uh, Jimmy and Chloe are actually going to be leading it. Do you, you want to say hi? Just, yeah, sure. Okay. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're really, really excited to be, to be coming down and leading this. Uh, this, is, this message, this, this culture has really transformed us. And since we felt God call us to Grand Rapids, about three and a half years ago, we moved up there and you know, we, uh, felt God call us to, to uproot here and, and, and move up there and go to church up there. And so then to be able to come back and feel the Lord leading uh, is just, it's phenomenal. And the fact that, um, that we get to come back and, and lead this school, we, we had resolved in our hearts just to say, Lord, we feel like you're calling us back to, to New Day and we're just going to go and, and just do whatever we can. And the fact that, that it, it's all kind of lined up to where we can, we can actually lead what's on our heart, what we're passionate about, and, uh, and see, it, see it fill a, a, a place in this house is, is really exciting for us. Yeah, you say so, hi. Say something, Chloe. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. I love all of you. And we feel so honored to be able to be back here and just keep being leaders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just pray for them, yeah, because uh, there's a big lot of changes, you know, when you change cities, change churches, and they're going to do it over the next month or so, uh, and then we're going to kick off the Wellspring uh, in March our 12th, but mm -hmm. Father, we just uh, lift up Jimmy and Chloe, we thank you for them, we thank you that you've uh, put it on their heart to, to return, uh, um, get receiving training, and plug back in, Father, we pray that uh, we would uh, receive them, that they would find uh, ample opportunity to use their gifts, to grow, and that this church will be transformed, as well as our region, Father, that people from other churches can plug into this school as well, and that you have great things in store. We just speak blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees, say out loud, amen. amen. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah. You may be seated. Um, <clears throat>
Yeah, it's, it's fun. They're going to plug it in a number of different ways as well as uh, leading the, the Wellspring School. Um, and if you have questions about the school, uh, be sure to ask them or ask me. Um, there's lots of information on there. We're going to be plugging it pretty heavily. We'd like to have as many people involved as possible. Uh, it, it's, it's something that we plan to offer every year. It's about, a, uh, I forget how many months, it goes through uh, October. Um, it starts in March, goes through October, and, um, and it's something that's repeated each year that we plug in other people. And like I said, the Joneses have seen it be very effective at uh, drawing people in, getting them plugged in, and then releasing them into their gifts. And so I uh, encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, being a part of it. All right. Well, we're going to continue. <coughs> um, uh, oh, I did want to say it. It's really cool. It's just cool that, uh, that uh, Chloe's brother, Nick, had to think of his name. <laughs> I know. I've only known him since birth. <laughs> he's working uh, for New Day South Carolina, and he's involved down there. And so here they are, uh, brother and sister, both work, uh, plugged in and serving uh, at the diff- both churches. Isn't that cool? Yeah. We're a big family. All right. Well, New Day, uh, uh, this year we, we're doing a series on the three journeys. We're going to take our time and really look at spiritual growth, and there's three different directions that we're called to grow as Christians. The inward journey, the upward journey, and the outward journey. We're beginning the year, taking four months to discuss the inward journey. In the first couple of weeks, we've really been introducing this idea, different aspects of it. Um, but over the next couple of months, we're going to dig into some aspects of what it means to grow and to... Um, uh, to uh, to go forward in your inward journey, which is really about sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. That's a big word, lots of syllables. It just means getting right. Okay? Getting holy, sanctification, sanct- uh, sanctity, sancti- uh, being sanctified, uh, or, or being made holy, set apart. It's getting God's character in you so that you're holy like He's holy. <clears throat> getting rid of the, gunk, the bad stuff, uh, putting off. Uh, the destructive behaviors, destructive thought patterns, and putting on godly behaviors, godly thought patterns, becoming more Christ-like. That's, that's part of a journey. We're on a journey. You know, once you become a Christian, are you perfect? You know, all your sins are washed away. Yes, but boy, <laughs> sometimes there's still some that cling. It's like, you know, static cling. <laughs> you take stuff out of the dryer. You know, sometimes there's still a stain. We've got to rub a little harder. And so you need to apply the finished work of the blood of Christ on the cross. That we don't add anything to salvation, but we need to learn how to apply salvation to the specifics of life. And you know, that lasts your whole life. It really does. You can be completely set free from sin. You don't have to sin. Do you know that? You, don't, you do not have to sin. Sin has no power over you. Says this very clearly in Romans. But you know what? We all do. And so, well, why do we? Well, there's stuff on the inside that we haven't walked out yet. And so that's what the inward journey is all about. And we're going to jump into one particular part of the inward journey today. Um, <clears throat> so here's the idea. Don't think of a purple elephant. What just popped into your mind? A purple elephant. All right. <laughs> huh? Mine is 
Yours was fuzzy. <laughs> a stuffed elephant. Every elephant I've seen hasn't been fuzzy. <laughs> I've seen a few elephants. <clears throat> anyway, or the same thing is, don't worry. You know, somebody's going, well, don't worry. You know, well, that really helps, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and the idea is that you just, you can't uh, uh, replace, oops, uh, a thought uh, by saying don't. You know, if there's something that's negative in your mind, if there's something that's destructive, just saying don't worry to someone. If someone's obsessed with worry, if someone's uh, obsessed with a, 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 an issue, uh, just saying stop it doesn't really have the power to change the way you think. <clears throat> and the Bible sa- uh, addresses this idea in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, the Bible says, it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi and uh, giving, him, uh, giving them instructions. Keep in mind that Paul was sitting in jail with a death sentence. He ended up uh, getting released, but at this time when he wrote this letter, he thought he could die any day. He could have been uh, put to death the next day. Uh, but he wasn't, thankfully. But he's writing this letter to his, his dear, beloved uh, uh, church in Philippi. And he says, well, there's one final thing. This is like the conclusion. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Just think, if you're writing a letter to people that you had invested your life into, that you wanted to leave advice for that, so that they could become successful, that they could become all that God wanted them to be, that they could fulfill the call of God in their lives, what would you write them? You know? And this is what Paul wrote, because he wanted them to, 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 to complete the journey that they were called to go on. And he says, this is the final thing, this is the conclusion of everything I've been talking about. Fix your thought on what's true, honorable, right, and pure. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And it's interesting that just a little bit before this statement, and a few verses earlier, he's talking about another group of people. He said, Many walk of whom I have uh, told you often and now tell you even weeping. So these are people that Paul cared about because he was brought to tears when he thought about how they were behaving, walk in, in the New Testament, when you see that term it's, in this context, it means their lifestyle, the way that they're living out life, uh, how they're walking out their journey, right? Um, of whom I've told you often, and tell you now even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. Wow! What makes them an enemy of the cross? Whose end is destruction, the end of their journey is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Oh! Wow. And then it goes on to name a couple by name. How'd you like to have your name in the Bible as someone who is an enemy of the cross? Wow. <laughs> it almost seems unfair, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Paul. <laughs> what if I stood up and named somebody and said they were, said all these things? Oh, you'd, you'd say I was a horrible preacher. How could he be a pastor and call so and so out? You know, God doesn't have a problem saying someone's behavior. Now, hopefully, he's, he's weeping for them. He's hoping that they will repent. And maybe they did. I don't know. 
Maybe they did. Maybe they read this and, and it, it caught their attention. Who knows? Uh, but the point is, is that there's a contrast between setting your thoughts or fixing your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, uh, uh, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise, and setting your thought on mind and uh, setting your mind on earthly things, on, on things that just satisfy the, the carnal, the belly, the carnal appetite, things that are shameful, all right? And so <clears throat> we are to fix our minds on these good things. The intent is to, to fix in the sense of dwell on them, to meditate. Everybody say meditate. All right. And so when you hear the word meditate, you think of some Asian guy sitting uh, uh, you know, cross-legged on the floor going, oh, right? Uh, but, but Christian meditation is, is, is not, so the Eastern meditation is emptying your mind of everything, trying to find nothingness, which is like, really? Is that what? <laughs> Christian meditation is filling your mind with truth and the things that are honorable, admirable, uh, pure, righteous, and just, and so that's the idea of uh, biblical meditation is that you, you're really concentrating or thinking about something that is good. <clears throat> but I think it's kind of interesting. This sounds like a, a pun in English. But uh, the other meaning of fix also applies. Right? Thinking about the wrong things is broken thinking. And some people end up just having their lives destroyed because their thinking is broken. All right, and so how do, you, how, do you, how do you fix broken thinking? When you fix your thinking, we fix our thinking, we, we, we correct our thinking by fixing our thoughts on, this, on truth, on what is honorable and is right. That's how you change uh, how you're thinking. You change your thought lives by fixing your thought on something that produces a better result. You have to fill the space in your mind, in your thought life, with something good and not just try to remove what is bad. So instead of just trying to not be angry, you actually have to act at being what, maybe? Just take a guess. Other than anger, huh? patient. I would go with happy. Happy trumps angry, right? <laughs> patient is enduring. <laughs> but that's right. That's a good one. And so how do, you, how do you build on patience? How do, you, how do you think about that instead of mulling over what you're angry about? Because the longer you think about what you're angry about, what happens? You get more angry. <laughs> and then you come up with devious little plans and how to get them back, right? <clears throat> but if you're thinking patience or you're thinking happy, you come up with great little plans of how to make other people happy. And how to display, uh, and so you replace, this is a big, big truth, uh, and it applies to every, whatever thing you are struggling, whatever negative, destructive, unhealthy, and wholesome thing in your life that you're trying to overcome, let me tell you, the solution is probably not focusing on the problem, but focusing on something that actually is meant to replace that in your life. Right? Does that make sense? Well, thankfully, aren't you happy God hasn't left us on our own to come up with uh, what is noble, what is right, what is admirable, what is honorable. <clears throat> How we, we, we're not left to our own devices to come up with what we're supposed to think about. In fact, he's, God's gone to great lengths. He took 
uh, several thousand years, <laughs> and, and many, many people, a whole, whole uh, nation of people, and many, many authors to write us a book that's full of these very things, uh, full of truth, full of honorable thoughts, full of bright and pure thoughts, full of lovely and admirable ideas. What do you think the book is? It's Shakespeare, right? No. Let's see. The Bible. That's right. The Bible is filled with truths, stories that depict, depict lessons that communicate what is, what is true and right and honorable and pure and just and, and lovely. And it says this in Scripture about Scripture. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Truth. Truth. Right? And make us realize, come to a realization, what is wrong in our life. And so it teaches us true, and by learning truth, we go, oh, this part of my life doesn't line up with truth. That must be wrong. All right? It corrects, corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us, teaches us, tongue, need to loosen it up, and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, it being the Bible, Scripture, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. All right? Everything that God's called us to do, the equipping and the preparation is found in Scripture, in this book. That's incredible. Right? Absolutely incredible. You know, thousands, tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people have died just in the process of us getting uh, the ability to have this book. You know that? The early translators that translated it into the common language were, were martyred simply for doing that. And people who smuggle Bibles into uh, nations that are uh, hostile to the gospel, killed. I have a friend who's sitting in a Turkish prison simply because he was a Christian. Right? And then you know what they did? The main thing, the most effective outreach that that church did, they took New Testaments and sat them on the windowsill of their church building on the sidewalk. Because you couldn't hand a Muslim a Bible. You'd go to jail for that. But if you sat one out on the table and they picked it up, nothing wrong with that. They gave away tens of thousands of Bibles every year. Bought them by the pallet load. Now, he's sitting in prison. God, release Andrew Brunson in Jesus' name. Set him free in Jesus' name. Come on, get, get my friend out of prison. All right, <clears throat> so this is a powerful tool to bring about change. It's called Scripture, the Word of God. I'm taking this opportunity to, to explain a little bit more about what the Word of God is, I want you all to understand this. It's very important that we have a, a broader understanding of what uh, is meant by the Word of God. And so there's three basic words that are translated or are used in Scripture to refer to God's Word. The most common is the word uh, in the Greek, logos or logos, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It's a Greek word, <clears throat> and it's used 316 times. And we see it in many places. In the beginning was the Word, that's the logos, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Later in the verse, in the chapter, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus, the person of Jesus. But uh, that Word is also used to communicate the message 
All right. In fact, the message translation is, is why he called it the message, because every time that word is used, he, he uses the word message or the meaning, the idea, the truth. It's the big picture. It's what's being communicated, right? Not just the actual physical words. Uh, and in this case, the ultimate of what's being communicated by God's word is a person, because Jesus Christ is God, uh, the word of God made flesh, right? He dwelt among us. And so, um, and so God's word, the ultimate understanding of God's word is Jesus, which is a person. And so that's kind of a, it's, it's a big idea kind of word. <clears throat> and then there's another word that's used 67 times, 67, yeah, 67 times in the New Testament. And it's called rhema. And that's what we use for our rhema ministry. And that's most often used in the context of when, when, uh, when somebody actually says something, okay? So it's, not, it's, it's when, when someone uh, it speaks something out. It's a, a, a spoken word or immediate active type of communication. And we, and we read this many places, but this is just one reference. It says, it is written, Jesus said, it, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because okay? rhema is spoken word, and it's coming out of God's mouth. All right? And then the last one <clears throat> that's used 51 times is graphe. All right? And that's what we translate scripture. used 51 times in the New Testament. All right? And that's the written word. In, this, in, in, in Matthew 4, 4 there, both words are used. It is written, graphe, referring to what? The Old Testament, right, very good. The Old Testament, that would be on this side of the book. <laughs> okay, uh, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every rhema, the spoken word of God. So here we have both words used in one uh, verse, but there's three different places. Yes, just like the word word in English can be used uh, uh, differently in different contexts, so can all of these. And so you can't get too strict about how each one is understood but this is the general idea and there's three forms by which god speaks to his people he speaks through the logos which is the big idea the meaning and, he, and what is being communicated in the person of jesus christ he speaks through rhema which are spoken words uh people hear god speak you know in many different ways teach classes on it all the whole bible was written by people who heard god speak and they wrote it down and then there's graphe, which is the written, objective word of God. We're going to just unpack uh, these three ideas a little bit. Uh, Jesus uh, refers to all three of them when he's speaking to some Jews that wanted to kill him. <clears throat> all right? So uh, Jesus was uh, confronting the Jewish people because uh, they were angry when Jesus compared himself to the Father. And... Um, and he'd healed somebody, and they were mad to the point where they were going to kill him. They were plotting to kill him. And he said, listen, you guys, you guys are messed up, All right? <laughs> and, he, and part of what he says, he says, and the Father himself who sent me testified of me. So they were trying to defend the Father. He's saying, you're not defending the Father. You're, you're, you're enemies of the Father. The Father himself who sent me testified of me. He says, you have neither heard his voice. Now, the word rhema is not used in this scripture, but hearing his voice, if they'd heard his voice, they would have heard a rhema word. Okay, because that's what it means. You've never had a rhema. You never got a rhema. You've never heard his voice. You've never heard him speak at any time, nor have seen his form. 
And then it goes on. And then you do not have his word. That's his logos. You don't have his word, his, his, the meaning, the truth, or the person of God abiding in you. So you've never heard him, and you don't have it in you. Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the graphe, the scripture, the written word, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. In other words, that, that, that written word in which you're putting all your hope is, is supposed to lead you to me. All right? uh, and that's the idea. Graphe, the written word, is meant to lead us to logos, the, the living word, okay, so that we can hear rhema, the spoken word. Make sense? <clears throat> and all three, listen, all three need to be active in order for us to advance properly. And you kind of go back and forth in different aspects of, of which one, but to advance in your inward journey of sanctification and healing and becoming who God's called you to be, you need to have uh, God's Word living and active and powerful in you. <clears throat> so in another place, the same phrase is used, um, searching the Scripture in Acts 17, says, these were more noble, Paul's describing the Bereans who lived in Berea, uh, 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 with uh, some other uh, people who lived in Thessalonica, says these were more noble than those in Thessalonica uh, in that they, the Bereans, received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the graphe, searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so, so. So searching the scriptures isn't a bad thing if you're open to the logos, to the word, the living word. The Jews that Jesus corrected initially, they were not open. They, they were actually using Scripture to prevent them from seeing Jesus. And Scripture was supposed to make them see Jesus. And here, it's searching the Scripture uh, because they were open to the Logos, the meaning and the truth, and they sought this through the Scriptures, and because of that, it was actually a noble, noble act. <clears throat> All right? Um, so the more you know God's Scripture... The written word, the better you're able to understand his living word, the meaning behind God's word, and the better you'll be able to be at hearing God speak to you and interpret it correctly. Uh, now, very few people actually hear an audible word of God. That's not what we're talking about. And certainly we're not talking about anything that's uh, on the level of authority as the written word of God, but God wants to speak to us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Right? And so if we're his sheep, we're, we should expect to hear his voice. Of the three, um, <clears throat> Scripture is the most accessible. And therefore, right? Okay, so just to make sure you understand what I mean by that. How many have a Bible? All right. How many have a Bible? <laughs> App. <laughs> and so, man, that's available 24-7, thank God. All right. Thank God that you're not like my friend Andrew, who's been in prison now for months uh, without a Bible. All right? The only Bible he's got is the Bible he's got memorized. All right? uh, or, or, or the millions the millions of other people in the countries that never have it. So, <clears throat> so in our life, Scripture is accessible. Rhema, God can speak. We can hear him. We can learn how to hear him. Uh, but we need it. Uh, fueled by the scripture and logos understanding comes when the Holy Spirit reveals to us what God's really intending to say to us both through his written word and his spoken word <clears throat> and so uh, the written word is our standard by which we judge 
all other forms of what we think God's saying to us. We always go back to God's written word. It's absolutely critically important that we understand that God uses the objective word uh, to communicate to us subjectively and lead you. uh, But that's the intention uh, that he would lead you. Another place, it says in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, Uh, in your hearts to the Lord. And so God's word is to dwell in us richly or dwell abundantly. And the idea here is that it should have the biggest room in our house. Think of your house right now. What is the biggest room in your house? The living room. I think our family room is a little bigger. We have a living room and a family room. It just means we have more junk. <laughs> you know, and we have a, a bigger bedroom and a medium-sized bedroom, and a couple of smaller bedrooms, you know, and, and you kind of proportion out different things in different rooms. And a big part of it, who gets the biggest bedroom? Mom and dad. Because they're paying the bills, right? So, uh, when I grew up, me and my brothers had the biggest bedroom. It was called the basement. <laughs> and we were all in there together. <laughs> and we had areas. They were invisible lines, but boy, they were lines. And you nor your stuff crossed your brother's line on penalty of death or near death. <laughs> all right, and so God's word is to have the biggest, biggest room in our, in our house, in our, in our lives, in our minds especially. It's to occupy the most space and time compared with other things. You know, so think about yourself right now. How often, how much time and space and room do you give the Word of God? God says that we are to allow the Word of God to dwell abundantly, richly. I was thinking, <clears throat> how many times? Everybody, everybody, you go now. What do you see? I just spent a couple of days up in Grand Rapids with Kathy. Everywhere we went, this is what we saw people doing coffee shop. I mean, it's just constant, right? I can do it by doing this. It's easy. People don't know I'm doing it. (laughs) So what are they doing? Are they, what? What do they do when they pick up, what do you do when you pick up your phone? Check email, Facebook, texting, weather, right? How about the Bible? I got the Bible. I got tons of translations on here. I can look up Greek and Hebrew. I can read commentaries. It's all free. So how many times do you pick up your phone and look at a Bible verse compared to look up your phone and look at a text, the weather? Which do you give more room to? It's a real easy way to evaluate. How about, how about you just set a goal that for every time you pick up your phone to read a text, you're going to slip over to the Bible verse of the day and read, read through it or read another passage and think about it until the next text or Facebook message or Instagram or fill in the blank. Right? That's a real easy way to give more room to God's word in your life so that you're fixing your thoughts not on the negative things you're seeing in the news feed, but you're fixing your thought on the positive things you're seeing in God's news feed. 
preach it, brother. Preach it. <laughs> it's really key. All right. Uh, <clears throat> um, a couple of years ago, I was, I, I'd been to London a couple of times, London, England, and we went to a particular restaurant, and, we, and Kathy and I were back again for another conference, and we wanted to go back to that same restaurant. It's called Bill's, because we liked it. And I, I, I pretty much knew my way around downtown London, but, you know, I was still a little insecure, so I was, I was doing this. <clears throat> and, you know, and the GPS thing is great, right? Because <laughs> it shows you right on the map where you are, and it even shows you which way you're, you're walking, you know, and it shows you the buildings and everything. But I'm telling you, this time, I was like, wait a minute, what's And I started getting frustrated because I kept getting turned around because I was doing more of this and trying to figure out where I was on the map. And I finally said, forget it. I turned off my phone. I know how to get to this place. <clears throat> and sure enough, within a few minutes, I was there. Uh-huh. And so a map is good, GPS is even better, but knowing the place is, is really the best. Coming back home from Grand Rapids, I had to use the GPS to get from downtown Grand Rapids to the highway, because I always get turned around downtown Grand Rapids. But once I got to the highway, I turned off the GPS, because I don't need it telling me to continue on 131 for 14 miles, right? <laughs> I know how to get home. Right, so which is better, the map, the GPS, or just knowing how to get there? Knowing how to get there, all right? And that we need to apply that. Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you abide in my word, and this is really the written word, but it's also the logos word, and it's also the, the rhema word. If you abide in my word, uh, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know. You're going to know the truth. And that truth is going to make you free. You're going to be able to go where you need to go, do what you need to do, because it's in you. You know it, all right? Uh, <clears throat> here, the, the same image is flipped. Instead of letting the Word of God dwell in you, we are to abide or dwell, live in God's Word. And when we do that, we'll, we're truly His disciples. We're His disciples in the, in the fullest form, disciples indeed, and we'll, we're, we're really able to, to know how to access full freedom <clears throat> word here means to continue to remain to camp out to don't leave all right if you abide if you dwell in god's word if you really get in there and live in it and let it live in you so god's word is not meant to merely be a road map often people use that terminology it's just it's a road map to life uh, really it's supposed to be an internalized guidance system that if you know it well enough when decisions forks in the road come up in your life do i turn left or do i turn right do i say this or do i say that do i think this or do i think that uh god's word goes this is the right way and so you're able to follow because you've allowed uh, god's word to have the biggest room in your life and you've allowed god's word to change the way you think change the way you act it changes us so that we can change the world, all right? But you have to give it room. Having the book on the shelf doesn't do you any good. Having the app on your phone doesn't do you any good, all right? Unless you use it, unless you read it, unless you learn it, uh -huh, unless you internalize it. And so, so how can we do this? <clears throat> 
How can we give God's word more room? How can you give God's more room? What room in your house is God's word occupying? Is it the closet underneath the steps? I think that's the smallest room in my house. <laughs> is it the cupboard in the bathroom under the sink? Which is always a little scuzzy, right? <laughs> you know, when you're looking for a tool, where's the last place you look? Is that where your Bible room is? Or is it your living room? Is it where you live? You know, I challenge you. And maybe you can't go from one to the other, but you can bring it in. You can find ways to give God's, more, God's word more room in your life, and you can find ways to live more fully in God's word, that your life is living out God's word. Uh, what are some practical steps? Daily reading, weekly study, the basic Christianity stuff. You need to be in God's word on a daily basis. Even if you just read one verse, come on, every day, get some word in you. Okay, And I believe weekly study, where you dig deep, you look up words in the dictionary. You, you read through some history. Where's, who wrote this? Why did they write it? What, what were they writing to? Wellspring School of Ministry! Boom! Yeah! Come on! Get, get instruction from a guy with a master's degree. He'll teach you Greek. No. <laughs> no, it's going to be accessible, but it'll go deeper. I'm serious. This is a great way. This is why we're doing it. This is why we're offering this class. So that you can intentionally you can set aside time uh, to go deeper. <clears throat> Podcast is the how I get most of my Bible. Uh, I listen to a sermon or two or three every week uh, to get my feeding, you know, as well as reading and studying personally. Books, excellent ways. Uh, life groups, uh, you need to set personal goals <clears throat> so that in 2017, listen, by the end of 2017, I, I challenge you, to, to make God's word uh, have the biggest room in your, in your house, all right? Let's end in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we give you our whole life, our, our body, our mind, our thoughts. We give you our problems and our successes. And Father, I ask that each and every person here would be uh, able to grow in this area, to advance in this, this part of the journey, that they would live in your word and that your word would live in them to a degree that they never knew possible. Help them, help me, help us all advance in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.